My friends, today with Palm Sunday, the church enters into Holy Week, the holiest week of the year, the pinnacle of our faith. We today read from the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. It's interesting to note that we only read the passion narratives once a year. All the other stories that we read, all the parables, the miracles, the teachings of our Lord, all the other Old Testament and New Testament readings, we read randomly throughout the year, but not the passion. No, not the solemnity of the passion, the account of our Lord's suffering and death for our salvation. We only read it from Matthew, Mark, or Luke on today, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, and then we read it every year from John's Gospel on Good Friday, and that's it. We don't hear this story read during Mass for its solemnity, for the weight of what it carries. If we're going to read the Passion, we're going to give it all of the weight and the surrounding importance that is necessary. And in fact, we don't even read about the death of our Lord within the Mass without pausing in silence and reverence when that moment of his death for our salvation is recorded. It's believed that Mark, in writing his Gospel, actually wrote this part first, what we just read, that that would have been the first thing that Mark wrote, uh, the passion narrative, the story of how Jesus Christ died for our salvation. This is of central importance for Christians. What we read and celebrate today and what we read and celebrate next week is the primary event for us. This is our event. This is our story. God himself became man, and died for our salvation. He died for our salvation. And then next week we continue the story with, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He died for us and he rose from the dead. Again, going just to how ancient this is, the reading that we heard from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality of God, something to be grasped with that whole hymn, that is actually believed to be the oldest thing in the New Testament, meaning Paul was just citing the hymn that the Christians were already reciting and singing among themselves, that before he even wrote any of his letters, this is what they were telling each other. This is what they were singing about. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. He emptied himself and took the form of a slave. He became obedient unto the point of death, even death on a cross. This is our central belief. This is our central proclamation. And therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name. We as Christians need to know how to tell our story. This is the story. The Jews handed over Jesus to Pilate. Pilate handed him over to be crucified. They released Barabbas in his place. Simon of Cyrene helped carry the cross. Now notice there's a detail here in Mark's Gospel. He identifies Simon as the father of Alexander and Rufus. It's believed that Simon himself would have converted after this experience and that his two sons, Alexander and Rufus, would have been Christians who the people to whom Mark is writing would know that they would have continued along the tradition. This is our story. This is our story, and we need to know how to proclaim it. We need to know how to tell people this story. Jesus Christ, God himself, died for our salvation. 
And here's the thing. He didn't just die an easy death. We see in the whole story that we just read, all of the levels of dysfunction that come out. All of them. That Pilate, who is the representative of law and order, he's the representative of the state government, knows him to be innocent, but still to please the crowd, hands over an innocent man to suffer capital punishment. How the chief priests and the scribes, those leaders in the Jewish religion, who should have welcomed the Messiah when he came, handed him over out of envy. How the crowds asked for a murderer to be released to them, rather than the one who gives life, Jesus Christ himself. And then when Pilate says, well, what do you want me to do with him? They shout, crucify him. Crucify him. The same crowds that less than a week earlier, holding palm branches, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The soldiers mock him and scorn him. They put the crown of thorns upon his head. Even when he's hanging on the cross, you think, okay, that, this is it. Like, we've done what you wanted. No, from this cross they mock him. You said you'd rebuild the temple. You can't come down off that cross. And then this one, let the Christ come down. And we will believe all of the dysfunction, all of the hatred. Basically, everything the devil has to throw is being thrown at our Lord Jesus Christ in this moment. And what does he do? When we read this story in the, uh, with people taking different parts, as the priest, uh, I've always noticed I don't say anything until the very end. Christ doesn't say anything to the very end. He is silent the entire way through. In the midst of all of this dysfunction and hatred and scorn and mockery, Jesus is silent. And we could interpret that in two ways. It's, we could see it maybe as an angry silence. He's staring them down, but that's not it. That's not Jesus. No, it's a loving silence. Jesus is lovingly Silent. He's silent out of love. Why? Because he's doing this for someone who he loves. He's doing this for someone he cares very deeply about. Me. He's doing it for me. He's doing it for you. Personally. We believe and we know that Jesus Christ knows everything and everyone. He knows everyone for whom he died. That means that he knew you. 2,000 years ago, when he was going through this, he had your face in mind. He was picturing you. And in the midst of his silence, you're on his mind. And I'm on his mind. Jesus, our Savior, did this out of love for us. Personally. A loving silence. Jesus is lovingly silent in the midst of all of the dysfunction and hatred and mockery and scorn, Jesus is lovingly silent. He's doing this for those who he loves. And so what's our response? We, when contemplating this mystery, what can we do but fall lovingly silent ourselves, as we did when we just knelt down right there during the reading of our Lord's death? There's no response on our part before such great love than our own loving silence. To just pause and really reflect in the midst of a noisy world, 
to just pause and love. Jesus loves me so much and was thinking of me personally when he was going through this. And then, and then we go tell the story. This is our story. We tell it. Jesus Christ died for my salvation. This is everything that happened, and my Savior still did it because he loves me that much.